back with episode four of season one of the Changing Gears podcast. First off, I'd like to apologize for our tardiness. Ben was under the weather. We had to hold off on recording. But now we're here and back with more action than ever. Today, we're going to be talking some new car news. We're going to be doing a deep dive into automotive safety. And I promise you, we've made this entertaining. It's not going to be a snooze fest. It's actually wildly interesting. And that's the reason that we're dedicating most of this episode to it. So, Ben, welcome back. How's it going? Living the dream. How about that new Wrangler Rubicon 392? This is pretty cool. I think it's kind of funny that we're going to dedicate a lot of this episode to safety. And like, here's probably like one of the least safe new cars, like objectively. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I think like the Rubicon itself isn't the safest car to start. And, you know, 392 cubic inch V8. What is it? Almost 500 horsepower or something? Yeah, 470. We should also kind of tell people too that this is so think of a, a Wrangler and the four door Wrangler. This is the Rubicon trim. So they normally get like sportier tires or like the big like meteor tires. Mm-hmm. And then this is where they put Dodge's put like or Chrysler's put a huge engine to this. So it's just the Jeep Wrangler with the biggest engine they've ever put in a Jeep. I've said this before, but I always like this more than most people do because I understand the homage to like early car hot rodding. And I've told the story before, so I'll keep it brief. But after World War II, there was a ton of army surplus Jeeps that guys could get their hands on cheap. You know, you come back from the war, you're looking for a thrill. And that was really the birth of drag racing when guys started hopping these things up and taking them to the track. So to me, cars like this are sort of sort of an homage to that early hot rod tradition that I am a fan of. If you haven't learned on this podcast, I'm a big car history guy. I like when cars stand for something. And to me, this is right down that alley. So I'm a fan. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think... I'm not like the type of person that would probably like something like this. And I kind of hate on Jeeps, especially like the angry eye kind of thing mm-hmm. that people are doing. And like all the colors, I just think look so stupid. <laughs> but I think this one actually goes far enough to where like, okay, this is actually real now. This is from a factory 500 horsepower Wrangler. Like this is kind of the whole point. Right. So and like you're either getting like the base one or this one. Yeah. That's what I would say. And in the aftermarket, guys were kind of already doing this. If you, It probably wouldn't take you long if you put in Wrangler into Craigslist. It'd probably take you 10 minutes to find a guy that has a hopped up V8 swapped Wrangler because people do it. Yeah. It's, it's sought after. So I, I agree that I'm glad that, you know, Chrysler Jeep has made the move and done it from the factory because that'll be fun. Yeah, I want to see it. And then, you know, hopefully you'd think Ford's going to follow with the Bronco that hasn't even come out yet and soup that up. And it's there's going to be like a Raptor Bronco, right? Yeah, you got to believe. I mean, it's been a major trend in the car industry, kind of spearheaded by, you know, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, in my opinion, of putting huge sporty engines in cars that are traditionally, you know, commuter, carrier, cruisers. You got fast Durangos, fast Grand Cherokees. Yeah, hopefully like kind of like Toyota made one with like actually a TRD 4Runner that's like, like crazy but i I don't think they have like engines for that i don't think toyota doesn't really do that so it's not really toyota's thing but i could definitely see uh some raptor fords i think they definitely not to get off on a whole nother different conversation but i'd like to see ford keep sticking supercharged v8s and stuff i mean that's like ford 101 from back in the day and now it's you know twin turbo eco boost and your raptors have 400 horsepower with a six-cylinder engine and it just kind of feels a little wrong about that but no, they'll keep doing it. You know Spe- who else did it? Yeah. Speaking of the who's going to come out with a new one, it's going to be Land Rover. They're going to put a new 
supercharged V8 and their Defender that just came out. Mm, I like that. Which is going to be just wild. So There haven't really been any other fast Defenders. I mean, I guess there's like the Range Rover SVR, which kind of falls under the Land Rover yeah, umbrella. You can, uh, you can print money. So it's like stick the big engine in it. People are going to buy it, trick it out, whatever. It's going to run for 20,000 miles before it completely shits the bed. And uh, it's cool, though. It and is I, cool. I think the new Defender is really cool. So I think you'll see a lot of those, like the Sand Dune guys. Like it's a little bit more of a, a Middle Eastern, like Arab thing to go put you know thousand horsepower engines and suvs and take them in the sand dunes yeah but that kind of is what comes to mind when i think of this defender for sure i think it'd be really cool their press one had like it's like black with black wheels and has like light blue brake calipers it's kind of cool but Mm -hmm. i'm a fan yeah and in some electric horsepower news a tycan wagon yeah, so, well, I mean, they did it with the Panamera, so the Panamera was just a sedan that kind of looked like a hatchback, and then they put, like, a wagon on it, and I think that's the better-looking Panamera, and the Taycan now came is going to come out with the Taycan wagon, and I actually think it looks worse than the actual Taycan, so it's reversed, yeah. but I, I think I've only seen a Taycan in person a couple times, and it's way better looking in person than it looks in pictures. I'd agree. So I'll have to see the wagon in, in, uh, in person first. I'm a sucker for fast wagons. If they get the styling right, there's some people that do it right and wrong. Like, I love a wagon. I love a 3 Series BMW wagon. I don't like, like, an E63 AMG wagon. Yeah. Not a fan of Mercedes wagons. Okay. I think they got something wrong there. I'm kind of a sucker for a little, you they know, like... heavy. The, what was that? They look heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, they look too heavy. I don't know. The Taycan's going to have seven, 717 horsepower or something like that. It's just absurd. Yeah. So. And uh, it's violent horsepower. I've read a lot of reviews on the Taycan, and that car I've heard makes people sick. But yeah, people say it's too fast. Well, that's wild. I'll never get one, and they'll probably sell like five of them, and that's it. <laughs> yep. But it's cool. Oh, we'll see. It's interesting to see. When I see one on the road, I'll definitely be like, "Wow, it's a Taycan wagon." Well, yeah, I'll never see one of those again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get into the big, uh, big topic of the day: car safety? Of course. Where do we start? Have you ever been in an accident? Technically, yes. I've been in one accident. I was driving home from high school. It was snowing about like six inches. I had a Nissan Xterra. It had really, really bad like sporty tires on it. So mm-hmm. the thing didn't handle very well. Um, so it was really rough in the snow. And I'm like 16, so that's kind of tough. And uh, I was turning and I hit someone. I just like sideswiped someone just barely. And it scuffed their pain a little bit. And uh, that, that's all that happened. I didn't even get a ticket for it. Nice. Long story short. I have a funny story. It's not a dramatic accident. But when I was 15, I was getting my permit, right? So I had my permit. I could drive with my mom. And my mom and my whole family's into cars. And my mom at the time had, keep in mind, this is 2009. So like the Dodge Charger is still pretty new and still pretty cool. Mom has a Charger. And she's got a souped up one. It's fast. She had a chip in it with a racing tune and all this kind of stuff. And it was her only car at the time. So that's what I learned to drive in. And we're going through, we're going to my little sister's dance competition and my mom's letting me drive. But first we got to stop at Wells Fargo because she was pulling out some cash or something. And uh, we go around the corner and they have like the teller lines, you know, at the drive-through bank. And mom's like, you think you can do it? And I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And yeah, I go pull through the the ATM drive-through lane and there's like yellow cement pillars surrounding the ATM or whatever. So people don't run into it. Just right down the side of it. Those are like meant to be hit. Like they're <laughs> yeah. only there for like 16 year olds to hit them. Yeah. And my mom <laughs> loves this car. And 
I played it off. And she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, it was the curb. She's like, it wasn't the curb. <laughs> and I was adamant. I was like, mom, it was the curb. It's fine. And so we're still in the car, right? We pull out of the bank drive through and we proceed to go to my sister's dance competition. And it's at like a high school. And we pull into the lot <laughs> and the whole side of the car just like dented in yellow streak. It's a white charger. Yeah. And I was like, oops. Well, I guess that happens. Yep. <laughs> then my mom got rid of it. Yeah. But it was a good story. And then in high school, I was not the driver, but the worst accident I've ever been in was with my buddy Jesse. Uh, where I don't know if your high school is anything like mine, but leaving high school, leaving the high school parking lot, no matter what pile of crap you drove, it was like leaving a car show, right? Oh, yeah. Like every 16 year old's proud of their like 04 Civic. Oh, yeah. And so we're in an RX-8, which is a cool car at the time. And my buddy Jesse's super proud of it. And I'm riding shotgun. And we got two other friends in the backseat. And we peel out of, this is Chaska High School. We peel out of the high school right onto Pioneer Trail, which is kind of the main drag. And we're cruising. And I'm in the passenger seat texting. I'm, I'm looking at my phone. Never even saw it coming. And then just out of nowhere, just wham. Oh, no. <laughs> right into the line of a uh, back of the line of stopped cars at a red light. Yeah. I don't know what Jesse was looking at. I don't know what he was doing, but he right into it. the stop. And they all dominoed into each other. Yeah. And so we had a handful of cars pulled over on the side of the road. Cops came. Uh, I think he got in some trouble for that one. Definitely uh, distracted driving and yeah. whatnot. Uh, but yeah, no major issues or injuries other than a, a little wind knocked out of you and sit you up straight. Broke my phone and my sunglasses. I remember that. I was unhappy about. Well, it's better than your neck. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm lucky I have not been in anything serious. Just one little thing. That's it. So that's it. Yeah. What, uh, here's a fun game. What make and model in the United States do you think gets in the most car accidents? If you were to guess. This is like just an absolute total. Yeah. Here. So let me give you some background. Okay. The average American or 17% of Americans say that they have been in a car accident that involved an insurance claim. So meaning like a somewhat considerable one. And it seems low in, yeah, 17.8%. It could be like a lot more than that, but I don't know. And so this is pooled together off insurance data. And so I guess it would be 17.8% of insured Americans. I don't know if that makes a difference, yeah. but, um, and they've compiled all the insurance data to pick the 10 cars that get in the most car accidents. And let me just tell you, I'll throw you a number right here. The national average is 17.8%. There's a car on here that's almost 30%. All right, I got two ideas already. <laughs> All right. A Nissan Altima. Negative. Oh, darn. Um, Dodge Journey. No, surprisingly, no Dodge is on the list. What? That's they get D-dubs, not... That's true. They don't actually crash. They Gosh, before I, think, they crash. I would think people in cities get in more accidents than rural, right? You so think? it might be something that's a little like a common car that's in cities. Yeah. A lot of these are pretty small commuter cars. Okay. Honda Civic. Honda Civic. Not the Civic. Oh. So is it a Honda Accord? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Making close? laughs> you probably wouldn't guess it. Okay. I'll give you the first one here. Okay. Coming in at sixth is the Honda HRV. Okay, I hate those. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> You'll hate most of the cars on this list, yeah. I'm thinking. It's like uh, we'll start at 10, is the Hyundai Veloster yeah, okay. at 24%, followed by the uh, Mazda, Mazda 3. Okay. 
Jeep Wrangler, huh, okay. Honda HRV, Toyota Prius, Subaru Impreza, Hyundai Elantra GT, yeah. Subaru WRX, Subaru Crosstrek, and the car that gets in the most accidents in America is the Infiniti Q50. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. That's an interesting list. Yeah, Subaru is, I could see that. I don't know, just being weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we can like let people know never buy any of these cars and you won't get any accidents you know like statistically <laughs> right or if you do drive one of those i don't know be careful mm-hmm. so segueing into car safety then out of the cars on the list names we didn't see volvo genesis some of the big players known for their uh supreme safety so so maybe that's actually playing out for them which raises the question that we're going to talk about because we've been researching this quite a bit is are these safety tests like legit and what we always hear five-star crash test rating iihs five-star this and that what does that actually mean because there's so much disparity in what it means to have a five-star crash test rating yeah so i went through a bunch of the iihs site where you can just pretty much look up any new car and it's going to tell you how it rates on a certain like level of all these different tests and it's kind of interesting because they don't really give you the data they just give you like a five stars and you look up like a category like mid-sized sedan which is a really common category and a category that people like all care about safety for mm-hmm. you know like you're buying these cars to be somewhat safe in a sedan and they'll all have five stars like across the board and almost everything or at least like an a grade or something like that or like i think they call it just a g grade which just stands like good or yeah great. i think and that's something like, like fair good acceptable yeah. great. so like you pretty much get every car in this exact category will be like will be like the exact same rating. But when you dig deeper and I've read on other sites that say like these ratings actually are calculated and they're actually a number. So to get that top rating, like from like a point system, mm-hmm. you have to be like on a, in a ranking of like zero to 15. And then like the next like segment down is going to be like 15 to 25. So like a car that tests five is going to get the same rating as a car that tests 14, even though it's like that one car was like, three times as bad Hmm. so it doesn't really make sense but i there's also something too that i think i've kind of learned after reading about this is like each one of these manufacturers is going to send only like a few cars so they're only going to ever run this test like a couple times right and like they they get it all set up perfectly and these are like scientists doing this stuff of course Mm -hmm. and so you can only run the test a couple times so like you don't it has to be like exact or perfect Mm -hmm. and so you don't really know like can they they can't run this test 10 times they'd right. ruin 10 cars so it's always seen like the iihs i'm pretty sure they're government backed but it almost reminds me of those you know certification groups that basically you just pay a price to and they certify your product as organic or yeah. whatever it may be like the iihs just seems like it's handing out four or five star crash test ratings to just about anyone that sends them a car and i'm sure they're getting paid i'm i don't know this for a fact but i have to believe that auto manufacturers pay the IIHS to test their cars. That's what I've always kind of thought too. I don't think that's necessarily the case because I just didn't find any evidence of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think most cars actually are safe. So like once you get through like all these lists and stuff and you read more about it, you're like, you know, actually almost all cars today are pretty safe. They're all like in the same, like 10 percentile. Like yeah. there aren't any cars that are just like way like worse right and there aren't cars that are way better some of them really just come down to like how easy is the car to drive like how are the sight lines how are like and you can't do a crash test Mm -hmm. like on blind spot 
size. You know, right. it, it doesn't make any sense. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, but a lot of the cars that do test poorly are really just cars that haven't really been updated in the last decade. So that'd be like Grand Cherokee, which hasn't really been changed for a long time. Mm-hmm. Toyota 4Runner, Nissan Frontier, Tundra, Dodge Challenger. They're all kind of like, you know, they've, those have been around now for over a decade. So some safety standards have kind of come up. So another thing too was the uh, Wranglers today. And Wranglers haven't really been changed much in a while. Something about like their front, one of their like front panels yeah. is really poorly or like it just isn't up to date. So you do not want to hit something like on an edge on the corner of your Jeep Wrangler mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at speed. No, I've heard that. It'll like wipe your feet off. <laughs> right, right. And it raises the question in the last few years of what, like as dumb as this sounds, defines safe because it used to be, you know, how many airbags were in the car, what kind of reinforcement was in the, the chassis and this and that. And now lately it's really become how do you avoid a collision in the first place? So a lot of that technology, you know, there's the lane keep assist and the automatic braking and all sorts of stuff. And companies like Volvo are really getting out there. Uh, even like Mercedes S class and then the new escalate and stuff, they have night vision cameras on the front of them. They're detecting objects that may run out into the street. They're doing a lot to, to prevent accidents in the first place. So is that the new meaning of safety? And my bigger question is, is would you rather have a car that's better at, not getting in accidents altogether versus one that's actually like thoroughly reinforced and safe if you get into one. Yeah. I think it kind of turns into like a combination of both car manufacturers and like governments who are like coming up with safety regulations and like what customers want. It's kind of like this big combination of like, well, what do you want? Do you want like a big SUV that's reinforced? So you feel safe. So like it helps you if you get in a collision and that's what like IHS is testing. Right. Or do you want something that avoids accidents that doesn't even show up on any statistic because there is no statistic for who avoids an accident because it's not counted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that I've read too that come down to regulations um, that some governments are kind of coming up with now to like make it a little bit safer for people on the roads. So there was something that was proposed in New York that they were gonna like remove people's cars if they had like a certain number of traffic violations. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you've ran 10 red lights, yeah, see you later. We're, 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 you're not allowed to drive anymore. Like <laughs> you'll probably get in a car someday. But, right. uh, <laughs> um, but then there was another one too. And I think this one was a little ridiculous, but this is, you know, mad mothers against drunk driving, mm-hmm. um, wanted to make breathalyzers mandatory in every car. That's funny. Which would be like, Oh God, I gotta do the breathalyzer again. You know, like it'd just be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but they estimated it'd save 10,000 lives a year. Just like, whoa. Well, okay. I mean, I guess. I suppose <laughs> that's probably how many people die in drinking and driving yeah, related accidents. Yeah, they probably just throw something together like that. Which is, of course, terrible. But, yeah, that's yeah. that's a tough one, you know. There's a lot of civil engineering that goes involved in it, too. Um, I was reading about some cities are trying to make it a little bit easier to put, um, like, markers on the road. Like, when you're pulling up to a stoplight or something, it'll say, like, slow in big letters. Right. They're, like, putting those, like, further up. Like, they're moving things around like that. There's all these, like, little tweaks you can do to the road if you're, like, an engineer mm-hmm. that'll probably help people drive safer that you just don't even... No, absolutely. We just think of second nature. I so. wholeheartedly think that, that the roads themselves, along with the signage and, you know, state Department of Transportation bureaus can cause more accidents or can contribute to more accidents. Oh, that's right. There was a thing where Chicago, I think like five years, like the city of Chicago 
because it's just the city of Chicago, they're going to do stupid shit. They um, le- they like decreased the time that yellow lights, like so when the light turns yellow and then it turns red, they decreased the time that a light is yellow, mm-hmm. which forced more people to run red lights because they tried to speed up so they wouldn't, like it actually right. made people run more red lights mm-hmm. and it caused more crashes. So like they wanted to do that to make it red faster so people would slow down. They actually sped up and mm. cause more accidents. Yeah, I <laughs> so mean, they had, just, to, they had to rechange. They had to change it again. Just in, I think it was November. My girlfriend got in a, a considerable car accident, totaled the car uh, on Cedar Lake Road in 169, and wholeheartedly, this was because of construction. The lights were out. One of the lanes was blocked off and being consolidated from like two lanes to one lane, and there was just mass confusion. Like we went and drove back through that intersection after the accident. And this was the first time I ever felt like a full-blown Karen and was like, someone needs to call the Department (laughs) of Transportation and fix this. Like, this is dangerous. Like, it was genuinely, like, mass chaos. And sure enough, my girlfriend, Macy, gets hit head-on going through an intersection, totals her CX-5, which she had bought only a month earlier, by the way. And uh, I wholeheartedly believe that if there was no construction at that intersection that day, you wouldn't have had an accident. I think that's where a lot of things happen, yeah. And thankfully, the car was safe. She was okay, you know, but it, it's frustrating when you feel like it could have been preventable. Yeah. So if like from that side, it's like having a safer car wouldn't have prevented that. Having a better driving car would have prevented that. It was just the road. It just, right. That's what caused the accident. Mm-hmm. So. so I think that's, you know, an important thing to consider and is arguably just as important as all the, inva- as all the advancements. Um, but it's... But it's a wild scene. I mean, car safety from, let's call it the 60s and 70s to today, arguably has changed more than like anything on earth or gotten better. I mean, cars in the 60s and 70s didn't even have seat belts, let alone airbags and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like one hilarious story. So Ben and I were in Atlanta not too long ago, and we went to this old car. Remember what it was called? Oh, the graveyard? Place? Yeah, the old car junkyard graveyard whatever yeah it's like a museum yeah but it was like a museum like a tourist attraction and there's some odd i bet it was 50 acres of all like you know everywhere from 30s 40s 50s all the way up to the 70s and 80s cars yeah most 60s and 70s mostly 60s and 70s and a considerable amount of these cars were substantially wrecked like obvious auto accidents and this is like in the woods it's a pretty cool attraction if you ever find yourself in like the atlanta area it's worth the trip but we're walking through the woods and looking at all these cars and it's, it's creepy. And then you start thinking about it and you're looking at that car and you're going, okay, someone definitely died in that (laughs) car. Like there's like, yeah, that was a really bad rear end (laughs) or like you could tell how these accidents happen just by looking at how damaged the cars were. (laughs) Yeah. And safety was not being considered. Like these cars didn't have airbags, seat belts, like no reinforcement. Like they're just straight crumpled. And there was some, cars we were looking at and we're like yeah that there's no way that ended good no like that person died this person died yeah Yeah. and then you realize you're sitting in this field full of i think it was thousands of cars and you're like how many people died definitely haunted (laughs) (laughs) that was a little screwed up yeah some wild safety features so brands that are synonymous with safety like volvo is probably the first one people think of the joke is you never realize why volvos are so expensive until you crash one and now in days, like I mentioned, it's evolving into how not to crash one in the first place. 
Ben, you want to run down these Volvo S90 safety features? Yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, like what's probably one of the most safe cars today? Um, and I thought the Volvo S90, which is their top end sedan, um, they put a lot of like they put a lot of work and engineering into making these safe. Where like Mercedes puts their engineering into like luxury and niceness and quality, mm-hmm. they do safety and quality. So Volvo is all about safety. And um, this is the coolest one I thought is. And I think other manufacturers might do this too. But if you're like swerving, like you're going on the road and you got to swerve and it, it like the car will sense that you're swerving and it'll break the inner wheels of the way you're turning, which will help you rotate the car faster. I thought that was super cool. I thought it was pretty I cool. I doesn't know that. Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff too comes down to like, it has basically cameras on it that can see what's ahead of you and mm-hmm. knows that you're swerving. So like it knows before you do. Um, so this is another one I know Mercedes has, but they have driver alert control, which will like take notice of your steering inputs and see if like you're slowing down and getting tired and it'll tell you to like take a rest, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I wondered like if I had that car, like how often it would tell me that mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. is it every day? Like, yo Ben, get some rest. <laughs> um, I thought that was interesting. The, uh, the other thing I had too, and I didn't know if this was like, I think I've driven a BMW that has this before, but there's like it, within the blind spot mon- monitoring, which will show a little like icon on your uh, your side mirror. On your side mirror, it won't even let you turn into that lane if someone's in your blind spot. It'll just, it'll like just lock up your steering it'll wheel. It'll just lock up your steering wheel, or right. at least it'll like make it hard. Like it'll like grab. It'll like lock your steering wheel a bit and make it like harder to do. Uh, which I thought that was kind of interesting. This is another one too. What Genesis is doing mm-hmm. is um, when you put your blinker on, it'll actually. Um, put on a screen a camera that's showing your blind spot on the dash, which I thought was really cool. Hmm. It didn't look like it was integrated that well, but I was like, that's that's futuristic. So I don't know if it's just Genesis that does that, but that'd be cool yeah, if it was. pretty rad. Um, the other thing that they really advertised on their website, this is for the Volvo, is uh, their high beams. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars have automatic high beams um, nowadays, and I've driven a car that has them, yep. and it was fine. Um, what it'll do is it'll sense if like a car is in front of you, it'll keep your high beams on, but it'll like take the high beams off that car in front of you, like mm. just to be like around that car. Yeah. But it'll still read like street signs and stuff like that, which I thought mm. was really crazy. Yeah. That's pretty fancy. Uh, one of my favorite, this isn't just the SC nine or the S 90. This is a lot of cars, but they have the, the speed limit, um, warning devices, Volvo comes in the form of a vibrating pedal, which I despise. Yeah. My BMW used to beep at me when I would exceed 80 miles an hour. Turn that off because that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I also turned off my lane keep assist because anytime I got too close to the line, it would vibrate or beep I, I at me. I hate that because it'll just happen all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, not going off the road. Right. It drives me crazy. So I'm a terrible person because I turn half my safety devices off. Yeah. But that's, that's the car guy. I can't me. do that. The only safety features my gti has is pretty much like backup warning like if someone's walking by in my car when i'm backing up it'll bark at me Mm -hmm. and it has i actually have been saved from rear-ending someone once because it won't let me rear end anyone will slam on brakes yep i remember that uh elfa romeo we had in referenced in episode one turned on the automatic brakes for us saved us yeah it did that just made that story even more interesting if it's a good feature yeah, no, that story would have gotten way more interesting if we had gotten <laughs> in an accident. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, that's funny. We've touched on Genesis. They're another name that's pretty synonymous with safe cars. Big news story that just fell into our hands this week before we even knew that we were going to do this segment. Tiger Woods 
crashing a Genesis. Genesis had to have been pissed when this happened because he's at a Genesis-sponsored <laughs> golf tournament. He's getting a courtesy Genesis, and from the sounds of it, from the reports I'm reading, we don't think he was intoxicated or incapacitated. It sounds like he was just yeah, speeding. I, I think it was a rough stretch of road. In a rough stretch of road. Yeah. Um, but just because you have a safe car doesn't mean you don't get both your legs broke. Tiger Woods had yeah. to have a considerable amount of, of reconstructive surgery done to his below his knees, his tibias, fibias, ankles, and one foot from my understanding. And yeah. that just goes to show you like what does safe mean, right? Like you still can get very hurt in car accidents. I don't care if you're in a Volvo or a Genesis, you get in a considerable rollover or you hit someone head on, you're getting hurt. Like you can still die. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know, you know, there's ways the technology exists for people to not die in a car accident, right? It's just not refined. So you have race cars, right? They're fully caged. They have, you know, the racing seats, the Hans devices, the seat headrest more or less comes around your head to keep your neck from jostling around You're harnessed in and you can run a race car into a wall. If you ever watch a NASCAR race on a Sunday, you're hitting the wall at 160 miles an hour and you're walking away from it without a scratch. It's like the technology exists. Is it possible, and I'm aware it would need an exceptional amount of refinement, but to make a car where you didn't get substantially hurt? And would people pay for it? So you have companies that are solely focused on one thing. Like you have like your Conan Segs. They just make ridiculously fast hypercars. And you have your Maybach who just make like ridiculously luxury cars. If you created a motor company that was just ridiculously safe cars, you had full cages hidden in the pillars, you had, you know, a leather-wrapped bucket seat with the headrest that comes around you. Sure, it's a little impractical, but how much would someone pay for, you know, guaranteed safety? There have to be people out there that value safety enough. I mean, all you have to ask someone, hey, how much is your life worth? How much is your kid's life worth? This car is 90 grand and you won't die in it. Would people buy it? Totally. I think they would. I I think it'd have to come down to the marketing. Mm-hmm. Like the way I would make this car probably wouldn't sell. Because I would think of something that's a little bit more sportier and a little bit more focused on the driver. Mm-hmm. But you could make something like my first thought is just like an Escalade type car that's like big because it's got to be big. Right. If you're going to advertise it as safe, it's going to be big. Yep. It just, it's not going to sell if it's not big. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be heavy because it's going to be reinforced everywhere. And then you're just going to have to have it have like really good brakes and really good tires. Mm-hmm. And all then obviously all the newest tech. So. And so in this example, uh, you know, we're basing safety on the fact that if you get in an accident, you won't get hurt. As opposed to all of the things we just talked about, about preventing accidents in the first place. So you could go the extra mile. You could equip this thing and basically be a small military vehicle at this point. Yeah, what do they do? Like advertise it like you won't die in this car and then someone does and they get sued and it's over. <laughs> well, I think you could have the the argument that, you know, you live or your money back because <laughs> yeah. then if they die, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. But the technology exists. All I'm saying is the only holdup here is refinement. So if people could, you, if we could either figure out how to leather wrap a racing seat or how to get people to sacrifice a little bit of convenience for absolute safety. I think there's something there. One of the like Rivian or billion dollar car startups that are coming out should toy with this idea. So take take a Volvo S90, make it the size of an Escalade and put some like racing like features on it. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it drives well, I guess. Basically, yeah. A lot of it's the seat. A lot of people don't realize how important the seat is in, in like race cars and, and NASCARs and stuff. Um, full cage, you would need reinforcement in you know the front and the back of the car. There's a lot of stuff that I'm sure I'm forgetting because I'm not you know a car design engineer or safety engineer. All I know is that in the drag cars that I spend time around every summer, they crash and people are 99% of the time walking away. In a NASCAR on every Sunday, no one dies since Dale Earnhardt in 2003. And they violently wreck all the time. Yeah. So I know that it's possible. It's just a matter of can we refine it? Yeah, those are also professional drivers. <laughs> it's still a human being. <laughs> Next right. break the same way. All right. Off that rant, I want to talk about one more thing about safety, the moose test. If you're not familiar with the moose test, this is a legitimate safety test that they do in Sweden for sure. Maybe Norway, maybe other places up in that Norwegian area. Uh, But if you're not familiar with it, it simulates you swerving around a moose. I think it's done at some 48 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah, you can YouTube it. Yeah. YouTube moose test. And if you're in for a laugh, YouTube moose test Jeep Grand Cherokee. And you're 40 miles an hour, and then it's an immediate hard left, hard right to swerve around a moose. And you pass if you can stay in the cones and not flip over. And like I said, this is a legitimate test being done. This is not made up. And it's pretty entertaining to watch. But there's so many cars that fail or roll or on the verge of rolling or just completely lose control that I don't wonder if it's just safer to hit the moose. I don't know. I have, I have problems with this test. Lay it on me. <laughs> Well, I have a few problems with this test. First of all, I think this guy's doing it for YouTube views. I never really think this is like an actual real test. Really? I, I just don't. It doesn't seem real to me. It's just like this Norwegian guy who's like or Swedish dude who's just like entertaining on a YouTube channel. But they do <laughs> they do it and they do it in a. I think they do it in Spain too. There's like a Spain moose test. Mm-hmm. And is there uh, a lot of moose in Spain? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> don't know, maybe they have other things there. Like it's just a, maybe they just call it a deer test. Whatever deer is in Spanish, but. uh here's the thing. If I'm driving in a place where there's a moose that I'm likely to hit, I'm in like Alaska, Canada, Northern, Northern, Northern Minnesota, Michigan. I don't know. I don't need to do the maneuver of swerving around the moose and coming back into my lane. There's no oncoming traffic. I'm in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you know, that's a fair, so it doesn't really make sense. So all the, all the cars and trucks that fail the moose test, they don't fail it on the initial turn to go around the moose. Mm-hmm. They fail it on the turn back. That's so true. really, it's not the moose test. It's the oncoming car in the moose test. <laughs> so it just doesn't make any sense to me. But it is interesting <laughs> to watch, though, because it kind of plays into our whole thing of like, do you want a car that can hit a moose and you survive? Or do you want to just avoid the moose entirely? Mm-hmm. So when you're coming to a moose, what kind of driver are you? You're the person that slams on your brakes or do you have a sporty enough car where you can just go right around the moose? No big deal. Right. Because all the sporty cars pass the moose test without even like, without even trying. And so. in Minnesota, to the best of my knowledge, I think we're taught when it comes to deer, which I'm aware is very different than a moose, to just hit the deer. Like swerving. Yeah, that'll cause, hurt Because deer are everywhere, right? Deer yeah. in suburban areas, highways. Mm-hmm. So like you do deal with oncoming traffic and stuff like that. And so I'm pretty sure it's best when it comes to deer just to hit them rather than try to swerve unless you can break in time. Then, of course, do that. Yeah. But I would not advise swerving out of the way of a deer. The difference, obviously, is I'm pretty sure a deer is probably what, like 100 pounds, 
120 yeah, I mean, pounds. They can get big, but not normally. A moose is like a thousand pounds, yeah. and their legs are like five feet tall. So when you just go through their legs, you just get you know. Moose is coming right through your face. Thousand pound moose right through your windshield. Yeah. And so that's where I see you don't want to hit them. But would you rather roll 16 times into a tree in the middle of nowhere where no one saw it happen and no one comes to rescue you? That's what you weigh. Yeah, pretty much. So the moose test is different than a deer test. I don't know. I think a lot of I don't it comes think there can be a deer test. I think the logic is just hit you the just deer. You just freaking smash the deer. So like they make YouTube videos of a deer test and it's just people running through deers. Those poor deers. Dying for a YouTube video. Yikes. Uh, no animals harmed in the making. Yeah, that's rough. You know what I hate while we're on this topic? The worst safety device ever that I'm convinced is just nothing but a gimmick are headlight wipers. You know, I think like the maybe early Volvos might have started this. It's just such a weird feature. But like, then BMWs had them too up until like 2013. Yeah. And it's this little button and these little jets come out and they spray your headlights with fluid. And then there's literally a tiny four inch long windshield wiper that cleans your headlights. And I think that is dumb. Get a car wash. Yeah, I don't know the type of person that really gets excited about, like, the headlight wipers. It's a total gimmick. It's yeah. totally just like, hey, look what my headlights can do. Yeah. And then it just, vroom, vroom, and you're like, whoa. But no, it's thanks. useless. I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. Good safety devices, though. My BMW has, like, foot and knee airbags. Never use them, thankfully. But I think it's a good idea. Totally. I think they're clever. If you watch the crash, crash tests of it, you see the knee and footwell area inflate. And I'm pretty sure I'm not, uh, this is not fact, but I'm pretty sure most car accident injuries are like foot, ankle, and lower leg injuries. Yeah. And so I think that's a great idea. Along with the pull-away pedals, which is starting to become a thing. I know Cadillacs do it, I'm pretty sure, yeah. where you get in an accident and the pedals literally just like pull away from you. Yeah, so I think they can kind of screw up your up feet if you get in an accident. So yeah, they do that. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay, next thing we want to give you, this is our, our changing gears tidbit. We're trying to help the people here because there are a lot of common safety misconceptions that we have identified, and we're here to be the saving grace that puts an end to the lies of car safety. Yeah, so I'm looking through a ton of different clickbait articles because if you just type in like, car misconception car safety misconceptions safety misconceptions you get all these different articles you know this is back these are all from like 2013 buzzfeed list <laughs> 20 different things and a lot of them are really like obvious in my opinion but maybe that's just me being the gearhead here but they'll be the like a super myth. analytical yeah yeah but they'll be like a myth that says like wearing a seat belt isn't necessary if i'm a good driver it's like well yeah like you should wear a seat belt it's not yeah i'm pretty sure that's like crazy. a law yeah, it's it's really <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. So you'll get all these like really common ones, but I came up with a few, you know, that like I had thought of before or had found on other websites. Oh, another thing about the websites is a lot of these uh, car misconceptions can come from like law websites, like injury law websites <laughs> have all of these course. like myth sections about car injuries. Yeah. One eight hundred ask Gary. One eight hundred I'm hurt. And like I don't really believe you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, your injury lawyer. Uh, but right. my big one that I always think of and maybe even think of this whole podcast segment to begin with as people think old american huge cars were really safe because they were massive yeah they were not no not at all <laughs> in the trip to the graveyard that we went to uh prove that <laughs> yeah no because there there were steel bodies you know the common the boomers would tell you cars these days they're made of plastic cars back when i was a kid solid american steel that didn't mean anything no they just they just completely destroyed 
destroyed yep. you. They just crumpled like tin cans. You can look at YouTube videos too of like old cars crash tests versus new cars, like even just like a Chevy Cobalt or something. And mm-hmm. you'll see the difference between like the smallest, what you would think would be the like least safe car today versus like what we'd think would be a safe car back in the day. And it's not even close. Interesting. The cars today are so much more safe. So I thought that was an interesting one. And yeah. I mean, I, a lot to think about. I even think that flows in today where people just think that trucks are safer than cars. Yeah. So this is my thing about trucks too, is they have a higher center of gravity. So like a significantly higher center of gravity, depending sure. on the truck. But, um, so it, they're more likely to roll over. This is kind of the bonus fact that I came across as trucks don't have the same rollover standards. Um, with a car has to have a car's rollover standards is you have to be able to set i believe this is what it is you have to be able to set the identical car on top of a car's roof and not have the roof cave in for that like that's like the rollover standard because essentially if your car is tipped over like the roof's gonna cave in if its weight cannot support it on the roof right um trucks don't have that standard because the chassis are extremely heavy especially for a lot of the pickups you Mm -hmm. know the worker trucks like the the roof of a pickup truck cannot support thousands and thousands of pounds. So the other bonus fact is that minivans are actually technically classified as light trucks. Hmm. So they don't have the same rollover standards as cars. So if you're in a rollover, you want to be in a car. (laughs) That's essentially what it comes down to. And they're going to be less likely to roll over. Makes sense. Do you remember, maybe this is still a thing and I just, I never notice it, but you remember back when you were picture eight year old Ben riding in the front seat of the car for the first time and you pull down the sun visor and you just sit there and reread the warning label that says, do not make turns in high speed. This car is going to roll over basically. Yeah. Remember those? Those still exist? I think they do. I never something them. like that. I I'm going to have to go get in my car after this and look. Yeah. <laughs> We're just used to them now. Yeah. The other, the other misconception I came across is, and this one was actually kind of written a few times online. It was all about speeding. And people just kind of assume people driving quickly is what leads to a lot of crashes. Mm-hmm. When really, if you drive under the speed limit by a lot, by like a factor of something, you're more likely to cause accidents. So you might hit something if you're driving fast, but if you're driving slowly, you're much more likely to get hit. Makes if you, sense. If you sit in the, if you go slowly and sit in the middle of an intersection, someone's more likely to smash you unless, you, in the, in the, unless th- you're speeding through it. So. I think the quote goes... Speeding's never killed anyone. Suddenly becoming stationary is what gets you. <laughs> That's a Jeremy Clarkson quote, <laughs> I think. <yeah. laughs> All right. Well, this has been wildly insightful for us, and I hope it has been for you. The whole world of car safety. Who knew it was such an interesting thing? I've learned a lot, and I think there's a lot more to it, too. So here's the takeaway. Don't buy trucks. Drive fast. And I don't know what else. Uh, buy a Volvo? Buy a Genesis. Volvo. Genesis? Sure. Yeah. Buy a Volvo. Don't hurt yourself and don't hit a moose. <laughs> Ben, I know it's the end of our show here, but I just had this aha moment. The moose test is Sweden. Volvo is Swedish. Oh. It's all making sense now. Yeah, a Swedish guy invented the three-point seatbelt. Oh. They know their safety. Sweden. Move to Sweden. Yeah, thank you, Sweden. All right. This has been episode four of the Changing Gears podcast. Again, I'm Jay. This is Ben, and we thank you for your time. You can follow us on Instagram at Changing Gears Podcast and check out our whole season of podcast on anchor.fm on spotify on apple podcast stitcher and anywhere else that you can hear podcasts thank you